Hello and welcome to the Campus Mission, where we discuss everything related to college life through the Christian lens. Catholic campus ministers from across the state of West Virginia come together to fix your life. The email, thecampusmissionwv at gmail.com, thecampusmissionwv at gmail.com. Send us your questions and we will answer them mostly correctly every single time. Welcome. Welcome back again to the Campus Mission Podcast. I am Patrick Meinster. Joining me today as usual are Nick Chancy, Shirley Carter, and Ross Semler. Today, at least the day this podcast was released, is All Souls Day. Yesterday was All Saints Day. So we thought it would be a good idea to talk a bit about what it means to be a saint in the Catholic Church, because that's, that's kind of a big deal. That's kind of the big idea. And so, Nick, I'm going to throw it to you first. For all of our Protestant friends out there, what is a saint? Particularly, there seems to be a misconception that a lot of people believe that Catholics worship saints, which is obviously not the case. Hey, for, our, for all of our Catholic friends, for that matter, sometimes, <laughs> yes. sometimes we don't even yeah. get it right, you know? Right, yeah. yeah so Nick, clear the air. Clear the air sure. for us. Uh, so that tends to be a very common misconception is that Catholics worship saints. People see on the outside, at least, uh, lots of statues. They see the statues and they kind of get freaked out a little bit. Uh, they, they think that's a, a false idol or something. Uh, but we, we do not, in fact, worship saints. We venerate them. And those are two very different things, worshiping and venerating. We, we hold the saints in high regard and in high esteem because a saint is ultimately a friend of God, someone who is very close to God. They are actually in heaven. That is who a saint is. So these are people that have lived their lives totally and utterly for the Lord. They are incredible. Uh, They're the best examples of how we can do that in our own lives. And that's, that's really important. God calls us to love him and love others. So when it comes to the saints, we need those examples. Uh, So that's, that's who saints are. So for instance, I, uh, in my home, I have like a little statue of uh, St. Joseph on my nightstand. Uh, because when I go to bed at night, I pray to St. Joseph. He is the patron saint of fathers and husbands, and I am a husband, and I want to be the best husband that I can be. It's my vocation. It's what God's called me to. And so that little statue of St. Joseph uh, reminds me uh, to pray to him. Now, here's the thing. When I'm praying to a saint, okay, I'm not praying that that saint uh, uses their magical ability to do something for me, right? That would be worshiping, which is what we don't do. When I pray to a saint, I am praying that that saint prays for me. I am asking that saint to pray for me. I am asking for their intercession. That makes sense because a saint is someone who is in heaven, right? So that saint is close to God. They're very close to God. They're up in heaven with him. So I am asking that saint who is in heaven with the Lord to pray for me, to, to pray for me to God. 
for whatever that need is that I have, whether that be to be a better husband, whatever. So those are, those are the saints. Those are, they, are, they are in heaven with the Lord, and they live their lives entirely for God. They weren't perfect people. You can't be perfect on this earth. But they, they recognized their sinfulness um, and chose always to love God uh, in, in spite of that. Mm-hmm. That's thank you for clearing up that verbiage. I was going to point that out. We don't pray. We don't believe that saints have any particular power on no. their own, right? So that right. that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. So while you were speaking, I was listening to you, of course, but I was also pulling up just a, a dictionary because I wanted to clear up the word venerate. The definition of venerate is regard with great respect or revere. So these right. people have done done things in their lives that have that have a lot of value. Now we were speaking before about. The, the fact that you can be uh, in heaven, your soul can be in heaven, and you not be recognized as a saint here on earth. That's completely possible. And so the Catholic Church has this broad idea. I'm sure you've heard the phrase communion of saints many times. We actually say it in the Nicene Creed, do we not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So Shirley uh, wants to talk a little bit about that. Shirley, what exactly do we mean by communion of saints? How are saints in heaven? and God in heaven uh, connected to us here on earth. How is that relevant? Right, exactly. So everything Nick said is 100% correct, but I want to qualify it a little bit because what Nick was talking about are canonized saints, and there's a difference between being a canonized saint and being a part of the communion of saints. The word canon basically means official list. Anybody that's studied scripture at all knows that the books of the Bible, the official list of the books of the Bible is called the canon of the Bible because it's the official, named officially as canon. So those people that have been named officially as saints, given the, the, the title saint, is a canonized saint, an official saint of the church. But there is a much broader term, as Patrick talked about, the communion of saints. That means we are all saints. There's a broad misconception thinking that only those that are canonized are saints. We are all saints. Paul, in his letter to the Romans and Corinthians, I don't have chapter and verse in front of me, he talks about Christians are a single body. We are one body in Christ. And he's talking about all those people that follow Christ. And if you look at the New Testament, one of the words used in the New Testament, Greek word, Hagios, I'm probably not saying it right, H-A-G-I-O-S. It means that we are saints because we are created in the image and likeness of God and we are made worthy because of Jesus dying for us, because of the blood of Christ. So we are all saints based upon St. Paul's teachings um, because of our intimate connection with God through So the broader term then, communion of saints, if we're all saints, the Catholic Church is sort of divided up very nicely, if if you will. Three categories that that the Catholic Church teaches. The church militant, you know, we're militant, we're still striving, we're still trying, we're still fighting the good fight, again, as Paul would say. The church militant are those of us on earth who are saints. We are all saints, okay? Now, we can fall from the grace of God based upon our actions and our free will. But let's not talk about 
actions right now. Let's just talk about possibilities. Church militant are all of us on earth. The church penitent are all the people that are in purgatory. They are saints as well. And they are, they are um, in a place of reparation for sin from earth. And then the church triumphant are the people in heaven. So you can be in heaven. You know, I trust very much that my mom's in heaven, but she's not officially a canonized saint. However, she is part of the communion of saints, the church triumphant. So church militant, church penitent, church triumphant. Now, if you back that to other religions, Lutheran, um, Presbyterian, they they will tell you, yes, we believe in church militant. Everybody on earth is is a saint. Everybody in heaven is a saint. They don't believe in the church penitent because obviously we know that Martin Luther threw out those books that talk about purgatory, so that's not in the Bible. So, the, But if you put all those together, those are the communion of saints. And basically what that means is we are in communion with one another. You know, oftentimes people think, you know, you go, to, you go to communion, that means you're receiving the Eucharist. No. Common, common noun, not proper noun, communion. We are in community with one another. So we are all saints. We are all striving. Those of us on earth, those of us in purgatory, those of us in heaven. And as part of the communion of saints, we can all pray for one another. And most people don't have a problem with that. Very often, you see it online, on Facebook, pray for me, or in person, pray for me. Nobody seems to even flinch when we ask to pray for one another. Now, let's throw it back to what Nick was talking about. The official list of saints, the canon of saints, someone who is named a saint, a canonized saint, that's where we, we get a little bit of controversy where many non-Catholics and Catholics is like as Ross said don't understand well, why are you asking those saints to pray for you well why are you asking anyone to pray for you we are all part of the communion of saints and we're in this together so there's the official list of saints the canonized saints that has a capital S saint in front of them the ultimate role model if you will they made it right they made it <laughs> but we are also um striving to be good role models for one another. And as such, we can pray for one another because we're all part of the communion of saints. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the explanation. And then one other real quick thing, which I, I'm sure we'll talk about as we go on is, so certain saints, based upon what they did on earth, perhaps how they died, what they stood for, they became or have become the patron of certain things. So when we ask for intercessory prayer for certain canonized saints, oftentimes we look to a saint that embodies what we're looking for. As Nick mentioned, St. Joseph was the father of Jesus. So why wouldn't husbands and fathers pray to St. Joseph? Um, you know, the, the, the new blessed, and I'm not going to jump ahead of anybody else's conversation here, but blessed Carlo, he was, he's a teenager. So why wouldn't teenagers who are into video games ask for his prayer and intercession. So patron saints are sort of favorite saints that have to do with certain things because of the way they live their lives. Sure. So you, you've hit on that then by, by introducing blessed Carlo. So 
Uh, you drew a distinction then between saints with a capital S, canonized saints, and the communion of saints, meaning all souls everywhere um, together in one group. And so the process of actually becoming a saint, a recognized saint, a canonized saint in the Catholic Church is actually a, a long and arduous process. It takes years, sometimes even decades or centuries. Can you talk a little bit about that? How does the church actually go about canonizing a saint? Yeah, well, okay, help me out here, all. It is a long, <laughs> arduous journey. Uh, um, go ahead, Nick, you want to? So, yeah, I can speak to that a bit. So uh, basically the first thing uh, that the, the person becoming a saint has to do is they have to die. I'm kidding. That's not the first thing they have to do. They, they actually they have to have lived a holy life. All right. But then, but then they, they have to pass away because a saint, right? What we said is somebody that's in heaven. So if you're alive here on earth, right, you're a part of that church militant, right? Like Shirley was saying, uh, but you, you, you can't be, because you can't be canonized because well, a canonized saint is someone that's uh, in heaven with God. So uh, basically after, after this person has passed away, uh, there, there, there's about five steps uh, and just to, just to sum them up, the first thing is the, the, the local bishop has to investigate their life. Okay, so, the, and, and, that, and that can take a long time. That can take months, that can take years. Um, and in, in that investigation, the bishop finds them worthy of being a saint. So if the bishop thinks that, right, after this investigation, then he submits that information to the Vatican's Congregation for the Causes of Saints. Uh, so. First off, uh, I'll give a quick example. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, who is a famous Catholic author of the early 20th century, he wrote a lot of great works. His cause uh, came up, and the local bishop investigated his cause and found uh, that his cause was not worthy to send on to the Vatican, even though he is this amazing writer. So, uh, so you, you, you've really got to meet that level uh, to get to move on. So that's the first part, right? There's this investigation. Second, uh, the congregation for the causes of saints, uh, they can choose to reject the application or accept it, right? So you've got you've to get accepted. If you get accepted, you become what's called a servant of God. So that's like the first title is the servant of God. So then uh, once the congregation of saints approves the candidate, uh, they can then uh, choose to declare that person to have lived a heroically virtuous life, okay? And, and at that point, uh, you become what is called venerable. That's a, that's a big deal uh, once you get to the point that you are venerable. Uh, so that's the next step. So you're, you start with a, a servant of God. That's like the first title. And then there's venerable. Um, and right, then I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to interrupt you, but I, I, I want to make a, an, an important distinction here. The title venerable is actually a title that goes in front of your name. Yes. We, we would refer to you as the venerable Nick Chancy. Right. As so venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Yeah. Except, except Nick Chancy's not dead yet. That's right. No, I I'm, hope to one day refer to him as venerable Nick Chancy. Well, thank you. No, I hope you years. die before me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've referred to Nick as a few things, but never venerable. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that that's uh, that makes sense. Please don't. Uh, Not for many years, Nick. Not for many. Thank years. you. Many, many, many years. Yes. Hey, you know what's uh, funny is uh, so spe- speaking of the thing where you have to die first. 
St. Francis of Assisi has this really funny quote uh, about uh, people were following him. People were coming to learn from him and referring to him as a saint while he was still here. And he, he said something like, you know, that you shouldn't call me a saint yet because I, I still have time that I could father many illegitimate children or something <laughs> like that. It's, right. it's a really bizarre quote when you, when you look at it, but that yeah. would never made it into the history books as I yeah. recall. <laughs> Exactly. We we totally got derailed there. I apologize. Uh, Nick, what, okay. happens after, what happens after Venerable, Nick? Uh, so after Venerable, uh, the next two steps are determined entirely by miracles. So, uh, for instance, uh, there's there's someone that's venerable. All right, let's say Venerable Fulton J. Sheen or or someone someone that's a venerable. Uh, so what happens is someone in the world asks for uh, the intercession of that venerable uh, person, okay, for something drastic, let's say a healing of cancer, okay? So they ask for that prayer, and that prayer uh, is miraculously met, right? They ask for a prayer of healing of cancer or something drastic like that, and within days or weeks, their cancer is gone. And the doctors don't have a good medical explanation for that, right? That miracle is then, after it's investigated by thoroughly by the Vatican, uh, is then attributed, okay, to that venerable person. Once, once they meet that criteria, then they move on to the next level, which is blessed. So someone that's a blessed has one miracle attributed to them. And very much is the similar process to go from a blessed to finally being canonized fully as a saint. That, that is the process by which someone becomes a saint in a canonized saint in the church. Is I they think must another, have mir- to- another miracle has to happen after the bless. I mean, it doesn't have to yes. happen chronologically like that, but two miracles. Yeah, it has to be two. And, and, and they need to be substantial. Uh, and I will say that the Vatican isn't out there fishing for miracles, okay? Uh, and they they have they have a high standard for those, uh, and it's it's not an easy task uh, to meet. Uh, which is why you know we're we're not canonizing saints left and right every day. It's 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 a really big deal, and, and a lot of investigation has to happen. To, to, do to you happen to know? Do you happen to know how many saints have been canonized in the last, let's just say, decade? Um, I, I don't have the number in front of me. Um, we can, we can do some quick digging. I'm Googling. Do it. I know JP2 canonized, uh, an absurd number of saints, many, uh, many hundreds at least. Well, I have, um, Butler's Lives of the Saints in print and there's probably 15, 16 volumes. I mean, it costs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars many years ago. And it's so outdated, it's not even funny because there's been mm-hmm. so many saints, so many people canonized saints since that. Sure. I have a hard time getting rid of my Butler's Lives of the Saints, but yeah, it's, they're, it's very outdated. While we're Googling, can I ask a, a question to, to Nick or maybe if someone else knows it? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit talking about a particular person, but so Blessed Carlo, the teenager who was just um, declared blessed last week, I think, or two weeks ago, does anyone know the miracle attributed to him? 
don't actually. I don't, I don't know the specific miracle that was attributed. To Maybe them. it was some really, 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 really high level of a video game that someone won or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, that wouldn't count, though. Oh, that, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the tendency uh, for these miracles that are attributed uh, to these saints, uh, te- they tend to be miraculous healings of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, drastic, uh, drastic miraculous healings. Um, that that tends to be uh, the the miracles that they are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so though, so blessed Carlo Acutis, though it's a little segue while we're looking up uh, how many uh, saints uh, have been canonized in the past decade. Uh, he he was a, a teen in Italy. Uh, he actually so get this, he was born the same year as me, 1991. Which by the way. When a blessed, okay, it's Ross too. When a blessed is born the same year as you, you can't help but think, hmm, I, uh, I've got to pick up some slack here because this guy, <laughs> this guy has been beatified. He's, he's been declared a blessed in the church. Uh, he's, the, he's born the same year I was. But he, uh, so he died in uh, 2006 of leukemia. Uh, but he, he lived a very, very holy life. Uh, even even though he died at a young age. Um, and, and one of the, the biggest uh, things attributed to him was that he was very tech savvy and he created a website that had an entire database of Eucharistic miracles from all around the world, uh, which is a pretty impressive feat uh, for someone his age in the mid 2000s, no less, uh, to, to do. Uh, he, was, he was very, very focused on uh, the sacraments and and the church uh, to the extent that his parents, who were sort of lapsed Catholics, uh, ended up coming back to the faith, uh, much because of his his witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he and he was he was, but he was also a, a teen of his time. So he had a PlayStation and he played Pokemon and he he did those things uh, that you would expect. Uh, a teen to do so it's he, he's an incredible example because he is very much a modern saint right he's he's not a canonized saint yet he's he's still a blessed but but still it's it's pretty awesome to see that and you know what i like about it is when you look at pictures holy card statues of saints we tend to see this you know it's it, it they're dated because we think of them as oh hundreds and hundreds and hundreds thousands of years ago and yet you see a picture of him, and he's in, a, I think, a Nike jacket. Um, he's got a backpack on. I mean, he looks like a typical teenager of today. And it makes, I think it makes it so relatable for the teenagers of today because it's not like they're saying, oh, well, I could never be like this person who, you know, had a sword in their hand and a suit of armor right. thousands of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> So I actually found the miracle attributed to Blessed Carlo. So there was a young boy who had a pancreatic defect. He couldn't, he couldn't eat anything. He, kept, he was throwing up constantly. He weighed only 20 pounds by the time he was four years old. Um, he lived on a diet of vitamins and protein shakes. And then after a prayer service, wherein they prayed uh, for the intercession of Carlo, he came home and ate French fries, rice, beans, and steaks. Didn't throw anything up. And he uh, ate normally the next day and the rest of his life. His physicians didn't know what had happened. 
uh, this was down in Brazil. And so Pope wow. Francis investigated this and determined that this was an appropriate miracle to advance to the blessed uh, level. Mm. That's awesome. That's amazing. That is amazing. And you so know, I want to I want to point something else out, actually. But Shirley, you you go ahead first. No, I was okay. just going to say, and you know, people can be very skeptical, and I'm sure many people are, because it's like hard to believe, like, oh, really? And but I think that's where faith comes in. You know, faith mm -hmm. is a gift. Not everybody has it, and and I really do believe if if you can read in Scripture of all the miracles that Jesus performed that are documented changing water to wine, healing people. Jesus still performs miracles today. The difference mm -hmm. is he's not physically walking the earth, but that doesn't mean miracles can't happen. So it really does require a certain level of faith. Amen. Amen. So we were talking before about how saints are uh, role models for us in our lives. And so we thought it would be a good idea here at the end to talk a little bit about our personal favorite saints, I know Blessed Carlo is not yet a saint. We've hit on him. So, Nick, I'm just going to go to you first. Besides Blessed Carlo, give me a saint. Who's really important in your life? Uh, I love uh, St. John Paul II. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he, he's, he's two popes ago, all right? He, uh, he, he died about 15 years ago. Um, but I, I have, a, I have a, just a, a, a personal connection with him. Um, so I did not grow up Catholic. I grew up uh, in an agnostic household. We were not religious people. Uh, but uh, in seventh grade, okay, spring break, uh, school's out, and I have like the flu or something. Like I just feel miserable. And so, you know, I'm drinking tons of orange juice and I'm not getting off the couch. Well, at the time, uh, then uh, Pope John Paul II had just passed away. So I you know, I have nothing to do and the news is right there. And I just watch the coverage of it because uh, I love history. And I know that even though I'm not Catholic, this is a major historical. Event. And so for days, I watched all of the, all of the proceedings that happened and, and there were a lot. And I, and, and that was the first time I had ever truly been exposed to the Catholic church uh, was through his death and watching the Vatican on the news. And so there's all of these processions happening and all of these litanies and, 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 and people are, are singing and, and all this beauty. Um, and that, that stuck with me for, I think more than I realized at the time. So uh, one of the songs that was sung was the litany of saints and it's very beautiful. And so when I became Catholic and I was baptized and confirmed into the church uh, back in April of 2014, um, they, the, the, the parish, uh, after I'm baptized, begins singing the Litany of Saints. And I had not heard that song since uh, Pope John Paul II died. And it touched me to my core. Uh, and I, I get emotional talking about it now. So uh, I have a very personal connection uh, to him. I pray to him often. Uh, you know, we talk about saints and, and you know, a, a saint, you should find a saint who is a friend, right? Someone that you do have this deep personal connection to that you can just talk to. Uh, and for me, that's very much uh, St. John Paul II. He's, uh, he's, he's my guy. John Paul II had a long, he was the Pope for 27 years. I'm just looking at his information. He, 
the death, the funeral that Nick is referring to happened in 2005. Uh, he did a lot of stuff in Europe. He had a fascinating life. We don't have time to go into it right now. He's not a perfect man, obviously, uh, but he became saint exceptionally fast. He did. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was beatified, I think, by... No, he, I'm sorry. He was beatified by Pope Francis, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that is correct. I actually but, I found the list of all the saints that Pope Francis has canonized. <laughs> oh, you want to share that with us real quick? Well... I won't go through all of them because there are 55. Wow. Uh, but some, some of the names that, you, that most of us would know are, uh, let's see, Pope John XXIII, Pope John Paul II, uh, let's see, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, St. Unipero Sarah, uh, Louis and Zaley Martin, who are the mm. parents of Therese of Lisieux? That's my girl. Um, yeah, and they're two of two of my favorites too. I mean, Therese is also, but but I can get into that a little bit later. Why I really love uh, Louis and Zaley. Uh, let's see who else. There's some other fun ones on here. Oh, uh, Jacinta Marto and Francisco Marto. Uh, they were the children, uh, two of the three children that witnessed uh, the miracle at Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were two of those children. So they both died very, very young of disease, uh, uh, not, not long after the, the, uh, the, those events took place. Uh, but they were canonized recently. Let's see. Yeah, 2017. Uh, Pope Paul VI. Uh, Oscar Romero. Mm. Yeah. Ross, is there a mol- M-O-L-L-A? I, I can never remember her name. Mola, Gianna Mola, Saint Gianna Mola, Saint Gianna Mola. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was probably. That's been pretty recent. Saint Gianna Mola. Do you see her on there? Not yet, but it's a long list. I'm looking. She um, when she was canonized, she she died. She was pregnant. She she's become the patron saint of um, pregnant women. Okay. For, for many reasons, but she was told to abort her child or she would um, most likely die herself. She hmm. chose not to. The child was born. She did end up dying. Um, and at her canonization, which I think has been very recent, her husband was there with the Pope with her big picture hanging up. And he's like, that's my wife. I mean, can you imagine that? That's amazing. That's so, amazing. So, so question. So she died. Uh, having given birth, did she, did her child live? I believe yeah. so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know whether she died, died in childbirth or subsequent to that. I, I, she she died birth. after she died after, yeah. but, but yeah, it was, but, it was very much because of the childbirth. of the, of the childbirth. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Can you imagine the husband looking at the picture of his wife as she's being, you know, that's, that's amazing. amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, that rem- So, so, that that's crazy that that sacrifice that she made she literally sacrificed her own life for her child mm-hmm. and it reminds me of when uh when my wife was pregnant she you know was get, getting ready she was mentally preparing for when when labor was going to come in in the next you know couple of weeks or something and one of the phrases that kept uh that kept coming to her that helped her through it was the phrase this is my body broken for you and that, that was the idea of, 
you know, what she was about to go through to bring life to, to bring, to give her child life, you know, um, she was, her body was about to be broken for, for the sake of her child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, this saint that you're talking about, that's, mm-hmm. that is the sacrifice to lay down mm-hmm. your right. life for, for her child. That's, that's incredible. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. So Ross, what, uh, what saint has really impacted your life? Well, I'll go through a few here. So one is St. Benjamin, and he's not somebody that a lot of people know of, uh, but he is a saint nonetheless. He's just not, he's not a household name necessarily, but he died in the 400s or lived and died in the 400s, but he was essentially just a, uh, a deacon who was preaching throughout Persia and he was arrested for his faith and he was thrown in jail. And one of the uh, let's see, one of the ambassadors from somewhere else. Oh, uh, Constantinople, an ambassador from Constantinople, uh, negotiated his release from prison, but only on the condition that he uh, stopped preaching, right? But St. Benjamin says uh, he declared it was his duty to preach Christ and that he could not be silent. So, they martyred him. They killed him in a very, very gruesome way that is like something out of a horror movie that would just, just freak you out. So I won't tell you. You can look it up if you're really that, uh, that interested in, in gory things. But nonetheless, he, uh, he died preaching the faith. And, and one of the things that well, – one of the reasons I got into him was because – even though there's not a whole lot of information about him, but one of the reasons that he resonated with me was uh, my – when I was becoming Catholic and I needed a confirmation saint, um, it was only a couple of years after my older brother had passed away, uh, who, uh, you know, I was very, very close to him and his name was Benjamin. So I was trying to find, um, somebody, uh, a St. Benjamin, and this is who came up and his patronage. He is a patron saint of people named Benjamin, which seems very, uh, kind of like, uh, what, what's the word? That seems almost too simple, too obvious, but it's kind of cool because think about it. My, my older brother, I don't know really what he believed. I'm not sure what, you know, happens to someone with his, uh, his beliefs after they die. Um, I would imagine that, you know, there's by God's mercy, uh, he would, he would go through that, that, purgatory that purgation that process of purification to be to be brought to brought to the lord and while he's there uh this is the other thing about the communion of saints about that process that purgatory uh is that while they're there they need prayers they need prayers to get through this this purifying process and so saint benjamin uh i ask often to pray for uh Benjamin, my older brother Benjamin, who is, um, I imagine, uh, has to go through some some sort of process. As I, I mean, I feel very confident that that I will have to go through that process. And I'm, you know, I am Catholic, but but he, uh, you know, I'm just praying that, uh, you know, for the inter- intercession of Saint Benjamin, they can help my brother on his uh, on on his way. Um, the other thing I like about him is simply that. Not a lot of people know about him. He's not like a, a quote, <laughs> famous saint, right? And uh, something, I mean, I'm, I'm a performer, 
in a lot of the things that I do. So, so much of my life is about, not, not my life, but so much of my profession is about, um, Hey, everybody, look at me, you know, <laughs> here I'm, I'm on stage. I'm performing. Look how great I am. Right. You're, you're selling an, an image. And, and that is something that can be very dangerous. I think for a person of faith, because we're, we're called to, uh, in our personal lives, be humble to, uh, mm-hmm. not seek attention for all the things that we do. We're, we're called to, to do saintly things precisely well, or to not hope for the recognition of it, right? We just we just want to do it right. because it's good. Our our only audience is God, the the only one that matters, right? And so it's nice to have uh to have a saint that is a saint nonetheless and did these great things, and it, but he's not this famous household name. He doesn't he doesn't get he's he's a canonized saint, but he doesn't get that recognition. Um, that that other saints do and but that's a good thing that he's he's a saint nonetheless and that's that's who i want to be i want to be a saint mm-hmm. you know so uh, there's you that. are you're part of the you're part of the right, church militant right right, right, right. exactly <laughs> exactly uh but yeah and 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 the word saint uh simply means a holy one really uh people kind of wonder where where do we get that word saint um the latin word sanctus means holy and from that word we get a lot of you know variations of it but all of them basically mean holy saint means holy one um another couple of saints that that i really really like are i I really like uh married saints because so often saints are the the famous saints are often priests monks and nuns and Mm -hmm you you're hard pressed often to find a saint who was married and it can be kind of intimidating just thinking did i did i uh make did i make this more difficult uh to become a saint by by getting married and the answer is no uh i think just because people who uh live a celibate lifestyle they have more time to do very things related to preaching and they put the, they can put themselves in danger and become martyrs and all these kinds of things. Um, but St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was married. Uh, she did all of, she, she became Catholic and did all of her, um, things she's known for after her husband had passed away, but she was married. She did have children. Um, Saints Louis and Zaylee Martin, uh, that I mentioned before, uh, are the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. And they had, um, what is it, nine, they had nine daughters, all of whom uh, became nuns. <laughs> and, uh, but, but it's really cool to read their interactions with their children and, and Therese in particular and their, their devotion to their family and their patience with their children. There's a story of uh, St. Zaley is, I don't know if she's reading or something, but she's trying to focus on something. And little Therese, tiny little child is coming down the stairs and every single step she stops says, and, and calls for her mama, every single step she comes down. And with just complete patience, she, uh, ter, uh, excuse me, uh, Zaley, just answers her. Yes, my child. 
Yes, my child. Yes, my child. Every time, over and over and over again. And you hear that as a parent and you're thinking, what? What do you want? Why do you need this? Why do you need to call me every two seconds? Um, but she's just, she's got this patience about her. She's got this peace about her. Um, it's the patience with her children. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want to exude as a parent and, uh, and as a husband. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's, a funny, it's a funny thing. There are thousands of saints out there. And I, I speak now directly to the, to the listener. If you don't have a saint that you use as your, as your role model, go research them. Get like I one. said, there are literally thousands. We all have these saints, Nick and, and Ross, and I'm sure, Shirley, I'm going to throw to you in a moment. Uh, we all have saints that mean very, very much to us and we can use as role models in our life. And I think that's really important uh, landmarks, really important benchmarks for us. As Ross, Ross and Nick were getting a little bit emotional. I wasn't expecting that out of you guys. <laughs> I threw it to you oh, was now. I? <laughs> a little bit when you're talking about Benjamin. A little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's your guy. You've mentioned him before. Yeah. Talking on these podcasts. So, Shirley, I'm going to throw it to you now. Uh, what's a saint that means a lot to you? Okay. Well, Ross touched on her a little bit as the child of um, Zeli and Martin, St. Therese of Lisieux. And she's one of the more popular saints. Actually, she's considered the most popular modern-day saint, if you will. Not to be confused with St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Calcutta. This is um, St. Therese of Lisieux or St. Teresa the Little Flower. And she's called the Little Flower, which is one of the reasons I like her, because she didn't do anything hugely extraordinary. Her catchphrase was, do ordinary things extraordinarily well. And that's what she did. She did a lot of little things, just being kind to others, um, putting up with, if, you, if you've ever seen her movie, Therese, the movie, it's a great movie. It was actually in the movie theaters probably within the past seven, eight years. Um, when she's in the convent, she, there was one particular sister there that didn't like her that kind of picked on her. And she, and Therese just went on with her life and just went above and beyond being kind to these people. So she's called the little flower, not because of she's any less, but the little flower meaning meekness and holiness and doing these small things extraordinarily well. And it, oftentimes it's said that if you pray to St. Teresa, St. Therese, um, an answer to prayer will show up somehow with the scent of a flower, with a flower, with a picture of a flower. Somehow you will know that she answered your prayer with a flower. So that's a perfect segue into my story about St. Therese, who's been my go-to lady for a long, 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 long time. So back when I was getting um, my master's, I took a course on um, saints and mysticism, and we had to write a huge, huge paper, pick a particular saint and write a paper. I'm talking, it was like a 25, 30-page paper on this saint. And it was, um, it was July, and the paper was due, and I hadn't started it yet. And my daughters called me. I'll never forget. It was a really hot day, and my daughters called me, and they said, we're taking all the kids, and we're all going swimming. Come on, Mom, you want to go to the pool with us? And of course, I couldn't go because I had to write this paper that I had procrastinated myself out of. I didn't want to write this paper. So I'm sitting in my house having this huge pity party for myself because I couldn't go swimming and have fun. And one of the things about Therese is um, 
she wrote her own, we have her autobiography, which we don't have many saints. We have many saints biographies. But when she was in the convent, the mother superior was her biological sister. And she said to her, for her to write her memoirs. And Therese didn't always want to do that. She did it very begrudgingly. But she did it because of obedience, plus it was her big sister and in it. So she wrote, if you have a chance, put your hands on it, The Story of a Soul. The wonderful, it's her autobiography. So anyway, so I'm having this pity party for myself and thinking, oh, come on, Trez, I'm writing about you. Help me out here. I know you didn't want to write, and you wrote. Why, you know, give me some little inspiration. And I'm sort of like, I'm playing and, and, and talking to her, and just like if she was sitting in the living room with me. And all of a sudden, true story, I got a knock at the door, and it was a strange car out in the, out in the street, and a woman on my porch step that said, there's an elderly woman across the street that um, she flagged me down. She needs some help. And I said, oh, that's Anne. She had just, she had just gotten out of rehab because she had broken her hip. And I said, I'll run over and see what she needs. And of course, anybody likes to distract themselves from writing a paper, you're going to do anything, right? So I immediately, right? so I immediately <laughs> go across the street to see what Anne wants, my elderly neighbor who just got out of rehab. And she really didn't need anything. I think she was just lonely. She maybe needed a glass of water or something. She really just wanted to talk. She was talking and talking and talking and talking. And she had one daughter who lived in California. So I finally said, and I have to go. And she said, okay, hold on for one minute. She said, before you go, I want you to see what my daughter sent me while I was in rehab. And she pointed to this artificial uh, pot of flowers. And I went over just to look at it. And it was like a crafty thing. And she said, Oh, pick one. And I picked it out and they were all pens. And she said, in case you ever need to write anything with a flower. I went, what? <laughs> what? So I went home and all right, Trez, you got me. I'm writing your, <laughs> your I'm writing a paper about you with the flower that I picked from a you know. So that's, again, cool. that's cool. That's cool. She's just been my go to lady for a long, long, long time. And yeah. uh, and I think it was Patrick or somebody said, one of you said, Pick a saint that you relate to and just talk to them. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're there for you. They're part of the, mm-hmm. the church triumphant, the communion of saints of which we're all a part. Yeah. And that is the perfect segue into the last thing that I wanted to say. And that is we have a lot of people have this idea that saints are like this, uh, this academic thing, almost names that appear in a book. And what the Catholic Church teaches is very different than that. They are actively working to try to make your life better. All you have to do is ask for their help and use their example in your life. Mm-hmm. But it's a very real. It's, it's very active. It's, it's prayer makes a difference. Can I add one more thing before we close out? Oh, yes, no. certainly. Because I think we talked about this once, but I'm not sure it actually made it into the podcast because our guru, Ross, sometimes editing, edits things out. But that's okay. So coming up this Saturday is Halloween, and I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't connect it to the saints, because as Ross said, we have many names for, or many ways to say holy, and one of the, one of the names for being holy is being hallowed. Hallowed be thy name in the Lord's Prayer, holy is your name. So Halloween is actually the eve, the night before All Saints Day. And it's a derivative, or it came from All Hallows' Eve, the eve of all the hallows, the eve of all the saints, the night before All Saints' Day. 
So Halloween is All Hallows' Eve. The tradition being, before it became what it is now, children would dress up as saints, go door to door, dressed as their favorite saint, and collect canned goods and food to be distributed to the poor. Now, somehow, All Hallows' Eve, the night before All the Hallows, morphed into Halloween, problems and ghosts and gurus. Okay, so <laughs> the next day we have All Saints' Day, and then the trifecta, the hat trick, whatever you want to call it, the third day is All Souls' Day. So it's the night before All the Holies, All Saints' Day, and then praying for all those souls that have gone before us, the Benjamins that are part of the church, um, church penitent, and all those people that have died. So, so those three days, to me, really exemplifies this whole idea of the communion of saints. So while you're carving your pumpkins this weekend, uh-huh. well, actually, by the time this podcast will be released, it will be the, the last weekend. It already passed. That's right. Um, right. Well, carve another pumpkin and, th- <laughs> and, go think about, and go think about some saints. Carve a pumpkin of your favorite saint. <laughs> All right, Ross, you want to take us out with a final quote? Oh, boy. How about like a zillion of them, man? <laughs> uh, let's see, actually. So here, bear, me, bear with me one second. There he is. Okay. I actually want to say a, a couple of quotes that come from Blessed Carlo Acutis. And while I'm reading these, please remember that this child did not live past 15 years old. So remember that when you hear this wisdom. Uh, Let's see. Do not be afraid, because with the incarnation of Jesus, death becomes life, and there's no need to escape. In eternal life, something extraordinary awaits us. One of my favorites is, all people are born as originals, but many die as photocopies. Mm. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. The more Eucharist we receive, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on this earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. You are what you eat, right? (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, Let's see. I am happy to die because I I have lived my life without wasting a minute on those things which do not please God. Our goal must be infinite, not the finite. The infinite is our homeland. Heaven has been waiting for us forever. And I will close with one from St. Jose Maria Escriva, which says, Not all can become rich, wise, or famous. Yet all of us, yes, all of us are called to be saints. Amen. Mm. Amen. Awesome. Love it. And with that, we close. Thank you for joining us. See you again next week. God bless. Stay safe. Peace. Bye-bye. See you.